Hey everyone, just a real quick disclaimer before the podcast starts. Last night we recorded, on, which is Tuesday by the way, we recorded at around 11.30pm Eastern Time. And so that was as KD was injured, but we didn't know the severity. It's now been announced that he has a sprained MCL and a bone and a bone bruise. And so he will be reevaluated in a month. Uh, could miss potentially the rest of the regular season. That's huge. I'll probably talk about that on the next podcast. But for now... We kind of allude to it on this podcast because that was before we knew the, the severity of the injury. And also, later that night, Matt Barnes at around 1 p.m. Eastern time signed with the Golden State Warriors. And we talk about Matt Barnes a little bit when we talk about the buyout market on this podcast. And so, um, again, that was just before that was before this news broke as well. So um, just wanted to put those disclaimers out there for the podcast. But it's a great podcast. We talk about the Cavs and Warriors, we talk about the trade deadline and the buyout market and all that fun stuff. So without further ado, I'll throw it into the ad, into the intro music, and we'll get the podcast started. Do you need new clothes? If you're like me, then you certainly do. Anti-Forever USA is where you need to be to get those clothes. They got everything from hats and beanies to t-shirts and long sleeves to hoodies and windbreakers with more clothing coming soon. My listeners get 10% off using the promo code PLATTY. That's capital P- L-A-T-T-E. The P is the only capital. Link is in the description of the podcast shop, Anti-Forever USA Today. Hello everyone and welcome to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host Chris Platty and joining me for the second time, but technically the first time, is Max. Max, how you doing? Good, Chris. How are you? Um, sorry, I was disappointed that the first run actually was really good, but the quality wasn't that great. So hopefully this time it comes out great. <laughs> yeah, and let, let's be clear that the quality, it wasn't the quality of what we were saying, it was the quality of the microphones. Um, yeah, it was it was a great pod, but it's, you know, unfortunately lost in the archives. It was a trade deadline special, um, and that was your first time on, and it went great. And now now you're here for the technically first time for the fans listening. Um, so we're going we're gonna to do a little breakdown of the trade deadline. We won't go through everything. Uh, we'll just go through, we'll just hit a few trades, uh, a few of the main trades. I'll read, I'll read all the trades, but then uh, we'll, we'll only talk about a trade or two each, and then we're going to talk about the Cavs roster upgrades and the buyout market as a whole. So first, uh, let me start by reading all the trades. Now, this is going to take a minute, but um, fans fans want to know all the trades that happened. So here they are. Going back to 
the first trade that kicked off the trade uh, the trade deadline season was the Ibaka trade, where Ibaka was traded to Toronto from Orlando. Orlando received uh, Terrence Ross in a first-round pick, and Toronto received Ibaka. Then, of course, was the famous DeMarcus Cousins trade, where New Orleans received DeMarcus Cousins and Omari Caspi, who was wa- who was just waived due to a thumb injury. And the Sacramento Kings received Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, a 2017 first-round pick, top three protected, and a 2017 second-round pick. Now, Washington Wizards upgraded their wing spot, trading for the Nets player Bojan Bonjanovic. Um, and the trade was Bojan Bonjanovic and uh, Chris McCollum for Andrew Nicholson, Marcus Thornton, and a 2017 first-round pick. And uh, the next trade was just kind of a salary dump move. Atlanta receives Ersan Ilyasova, where Philadelphia receives Tiago Splitter. Uh, 2017 second-round pick from Miami protect, protected picks uh, 31 through 40, unprotected in 2018. And the option to swap the lesser of, of the Sixers' 2017 second-round picks with the Hawks' second-round pick. Uh, and then uh, Houston upgraded... Uh, their backup point guard position, getting Lou Williams from Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers received in return Corey Brewer in a fir- 2017 first-round pick, and uh, Houston received Lou Williams. Uh, Roy Hibbert was part of a transaction. He was traded earlier from Charlotte to Milwaukee, but Milwaukee traded Roy Hibbert to Denver for a 2019 protected second-round pick and basically a salary dump to get uh, Denver to the salary floor, essentially. Toronto made an upgrade at their wing position, getting uh, defensive stout P.J. Tucker, and in exchange they gave Phoenix Jared Solinger a 2017 second-round pick, a 2018 second-round pick. So two second-round picks for for P.J. Tucker, a nice get there. Phoenix Suns weren't done making moves. They traded for Mike Scott, who they eventually waived, and Atlanta received a 2017 second-round pick and cash considerations. And again, uh, Mike Mike Scott was bought out or waived, so uh, it was just basically a move to get Phoenix to the salary floor. Uh, and then Houston Rockets made two other moves in an effort to maximize cap space for the buyout market, which we'll talk about later. Houston received, uh, uh, in another trade with LA, they received Marcellus Huertas, and they traded uh, Tyler Ennis and draft rights to uh, Brad Newley. And so essentially Houston waived Marcellus Huertas and basically gave up Tyler uh, Tyler Ennis to clear space. And then in another move, they traded KJ McDaniels to Brooklyn for cash consideration. Uh, and then the last two trades of the trade deadline season, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder received Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott in an unprotected 2018 second round pick from Chicago. And Chicago received... Uh, jo- Joffrey Laverne or King Joffrey, uh, Anthony, Anthony Morrow and uh, guard Cameron Payne, and then last but not least, perhaps the biggest trade of the trade deadline, minus the Demarcus Cousins and Abaka trades, uh, Dallas Mavericks received Nerlens Noel, and Philadelphia received Justin Anderson, Andrew Bogut, who was bought out, and a 2017 protected first round pick top 18 protected uh so if Dallas is is higher than 18 then Philadelphia will receive it if not it will convey into two second round picks 
All right, so that's a lot of talking for me, so I'm going to pass it over to you, Max. Go ahead and pick a trade that you want to talk about. Uh, the trade I want to talk about is, unfortunately for the Raptors, um, Kyle Lowry went down. But to me, when they picked up Ibaka, I thought, okay, he could spread the floor. But then when they picked up P.J. Tucker, I thought, okay, they're going after the Cavs. And rightfully so. They should all, you know, everybody in the East should go after the Cavs. They're the cream of the crop. They're the defending champs. I think they've been, LeBron, not just the Cavs, have been to the finals like five straight years, six straight years now. So to me, P.J. Tucker is a wing player who's great on defense, who can shoot corner threes. And analytically speaking, the teams that have a two-to-one ratio of made corner threes than given up corner threes are playoff teams. That's why teams like the Spurs are always in the playoffs and always 50 wins and always making a deep run because they have those type of players, the Danny Greens. But to me, P.J. Tucker is like a Bruce Bowen uh, player. Like So, you know, you got to get that dirty uh Grind, uh, grind guy that could just you know go in there and his main goal shut LeBron down or contain LeBron and try to you know maximize all his effort on defense and not really worried about his offense unless he gets created opportunities from DeRozan and Lowry. So that to me was the trade that I was like right on Raptors go for it. I know he's a free agent after this year, but they only gave up a second round pick in, Sel- in Selinger who was on a one year deal, really not playing. Plus, you got Patrick Patterson coming back, so Selinger was really just a dump for them. And a second-round pick, you know, second-round picks don't usually pan out in the NBA unless you find that gem. So they're not really giving up much. And with Ibaka coming, and now they have his rights to re-sign him, so hopefully they will try to re-sign him. So to me, overall, the Raptors and the P.J. Tucker was the trade that I thought was magnificent. Yeah, I agree with you. It was magnificent. It was a bummer to see Kyle Lowry go down. Uh, he will be back. Uh, it's expected that he'll be back for the regular season, however, um, before the playoffs start. But, yeah, you spoke on it a lot, um, especially especially the whole LeBron thing. That move was a specifically designed trade for Cleveland because the goal is, if you look at the history of LeBron, the goal is, outside of having a generational talent defensively like Kawhi Leonard, uh, the goal is to throw multiple looks at LeBron and just uh, just kind of try and keep him off his toes the best you can. And essentially with Damari Carroll, DeMar DeRozan, um, as well as P.J. Tucker now, they have some, they have some a, a nice range of bodies they can throw at LeBron that can, uh, that can, that can really challenge LeBron. And you spoke on it too with with the three point shooting. PJ Tucker is a great corner three point shooter, and again, he's one of the top defensive players uh, uh, in the game as far as as far as perimeter defenders go. And everyone asked on their list, even Demar Derozan said, you know, he was like he was top one or two toughest guy um, when guarding. Um, sorry, the the toughest person to score on, I should say, is how right. is how he put it. So. Uh, yeah, P.J. Tucker was a great get. It, that was a great get. Abaka was a huge get because last year Cleveland, Cleveland crushed them in the playoffs going small with Love at the 5, that, that weapon that they just unleashed in the playoffs and almost no teams had an answer for it. Toronto was one of the teams that definitely didn't have an answer for it. And now they can they can match that with Abaka. Abaka's a guy who can shoot, and Toronto can even go 5 out now, which is interesting. So Toronto got a... To me, they got so much more flexible in uh, with these trades. I know, 
I know that you you spoke on the what are the long term implications of these trades, and you know we we could see we could see both Ibaka and Tucker walk next season. It's likely that we'll see one of them, if not if not both of them, leave next season. But it's just for right now, especially in a year where it seems like the Cavs have been hit with injuries all season long, and LeBron is playing a league high minutes. Now seems like as good a shot as ever, and you're right, Max. You you gotta take the shot. It doesn't matter. They're they're the cream of the crop, regardless of if they were healthy or not. You gotta take a shot. You can't just be content with second. I mean, it, it's only gonna get you so far, you know. So I really liked those moves for for Toronto. They were they were some great moves. Right, and uh, you know, just to pick go ahead, that, go ahead. Like you said, uh, just throw bodies at him. That's what the Mavs did. In the finals when yeah. he was with Miami, right? They kept throwing bodies and bodies and bodies at him, and he just kept getting worn down by the fourth quarter. I think he might have scored like two points or something like that, or something really low in the fourth quarters of the games against the Mavs, which they ended up, you know, losing to Dirk and them in the finals. So yeah, well, you you just nailed it. Just throw bodies at him, people that can actually defend, and see where you go from there. Exactly, exactly. The whole name of the game is slowing down LeBron. It's it's not. It's not really plausible to stop him. It's more about just slowing him down. But um, let's let's talk about another trade I wanted to talk about was the Dallas Mavericks trade for Nerlens Noel, which was the biggest trade at the trade deadline, I think. And so Philadelphia didn't get much in return. They got Bogut, who they bought out, who we'll talk about later uh, as, as far as buyout market goes. They got a pick that will likely end up being two second-round picks. And Justin Anderson, a wing player, which Philadelphia does need wing players. They definitely don't need centers and bigs. But at the same time, I don't know how good he is. So for Nerlens Noel, um, first let's just talk about, before we get into how he fits with Dallas, let's talk about the return for uh, that Philly got. Were you surprised by the return, or do you think that that's about as fair value as they were going to get? You know, at first, I thought this trade was a wash, right? Like, I'm think I, I looked at it and I'm like, okay, you know, they he's gonna be a restricted free agent. He doesn't wanna, the Sixers don't wanna pay him. And you're right, they have a lot of bigs. But then when you hear the details of the trade, you hear that it's Justin Anderson, and it's like, all right, you know, he's a nice wing player. But then that first round pick becomes two second rounds if it's, I think it's top protected from one to eighteen, which. Yes. Dallas is most likely going to be between 1 and 18. They're a lottery team. So then that becomes two second-round picks. It doesn't even become like a first-round pick the next year to where it's like, you know, maybe the the projection's lowered. Like, you know, maybe this becomes 1 to 15, 1 to 10. It becomes two second-round picks, and it's like, wait a minute. This kid is 22 years old. He's great defensively. Yeah, he has... Um, some kind, some issues on the offensive end, but you know who who cares sometimes? Because when you have other players that can score, like a Harrison Barnes, when you have you know Seth Curry, um, now you have Yogi Ferrell who came out of nowhere, and yeah. you can use that center who also can run the floor, who who can match up really well with the power forward, the stretch force, because this is the new NBA, and he's only 22 years old, and to me, I. I kind of then started thinking, wow, the Dallas Mavericks committed highway robbery with them too, because it, be, the, it to me it's just the first round pick becomes two second rounds. It's it that was that was huge. The way uh, Cuban or and the GM for Dallas negotiated that, I I mean I guess the Sixers like second round picks. I don't know why. I don't think second round picks even become like they don't really become much. You know, um, you can maybe yeah. name I can name like ten players that are second round picks that are become 
like stars or all stars. But the other side of this too that I scratch my head about is if Nurse Noel only got you that, does that mean like they couldn't get anything for Jaleel Okafor, who everybody and their mom knew they were trying to trade? And you know, so that to me is a big problem. To now, teams said, "Oh wow, that's what we they gave up for Norris Noel. Now we can give up nothing for Jaleel Okafor." So that's where I'm at with the Sixers. Yeah, you know the the Jaleel thing is interesting. Um, I'll, I'll touch on that before before we jump into how Noel will fit with the Mavs. Uh, yeah, Jaleel. I I think it was clear that Philly was trying to trade Jahil before Noel. I thought that they were more open, or at least I would, if I was in their situation, be more open to retaining Noel as opposed to Embiid, especially when you're a team like Philly that hasn't, that doesn't have a lot of cap situation. They don't have really any bad contracts, so um, so a Noel deal and extension would have been plausible for them, especially he could have been a real nice backup center. Um, yeah, I, I think what, I think what Philly's trying to do now is they traded Noel because they said, look, we got to trade one of them and we just hope that if Jahil plays good the rest of the season, that we can up his trade value and dump him in the off season. I think, I really think that's where they're trying to go from here on out with, uh, right. and with, with, uh, with, sorry, with MB, you know, I think sideline for the rest of the year, most likely, right? Cause they, they're super right. cautious with him. So yeah, they can, Okafor could like really let uh the six the sixes because you really use him to play great and um get a good trade value out of him yeah i i agree so let's talk a little bit um how noel will fit with the mavs because to me it's interesting i read um a tweet from andy bailey which was um he he's a writer a bleacher report writer i believe for for the utah jazz and he does and he says something great so first off i'll I'll say that I'm a huge fan of Rick Carlisle. I think he brings out the best in pretty much every player that ever comes through that locker room. He's a very special coach. And so what um so what Andy Bailey said in the tweet was what if what if uh Rick Carlisle can get him to play Tyson Chandler defense from the Tyson Chandler Mavs era and get him to be Brandon Wright on offense because Noel is an athletic like uh athletic similar frame to uh to Brandon Wright as well and if you remember Wright was just a pick and roll I think that was two or three years ago maybe it was three years ago now when Wright was just a pick and roll machine and a monster scoring just lob after lob just one of the he emerged as one of the best lob threats in the game uh it was it was a great uh it was a great pickup for Dallas and then of course as as you all know Tyson Chandler anchored that defense that won Dallas a championship in 2011. Uh, I ask you this, Max. Do you think that that ceiling is plausible? Yeah, I mean, I and I also believe, I don't know how the market is going to you know, turn out for Noel or if somebody's going to offer him something ridiculous where the Mavs have to offer it, but I think they can also get him on the cheap, right? Because, you know, he has injury history, and uh, I don't know if teams would, would want to, like, risk that. But to me... He the way the NBA is coming along now, where it's just a running gun style, shooting threes, small ball. He fits that perfectly, right? I mean, what center out is out there on a team that could could run the floor and can play really good defense? Like I don't, I mean, what Dwight Howard? No, because you know he's he's too some he can't shoot, he can't have free throws. Bogut was kind of like that for the Warriors, right? Where his main thing was get the ball, move it around. 
let them let Clay and Steph shoot threes and play great defense and run the floor when you know on a turnover, long rebound, whatever. So, I believe that if he becomes that type of a player, like a Tyson Chandler, where he can get you ten plus rebounds a game, but also could run when when they want to run. Because, I mean, unless I feel like their Dirk might have a year left, or he might just retire. And if he retires, then they could actually start to rebuild too to become that running gun. Because Yogi Ferrell. He's a running gun. Seth, Seth Curry, he's a running gun. So I think they're transitioned towards that that um, method and that kind of style of play. And every time I see a team that has a running gun, I always think they need that center that yeah. could, like, run with them. I mean, if you – a perfect example, I know Mike D'Antoni makes any point guard and any offense. Like, he's an offensive genius, right? But look at the Houston Rockets. Clint uh, Capella isn't the great on offense, but – he can play defense. He can rebound and pick and roll with James Harden. It just they just throw it up to him and he goes and gets it. So that's the new style of the NBA, and I think Nor's no, uh, Nerlens Noel can be that. And if he does that for the Mavericks, then it's a win for them. And uh, like you said, Rick Carlisle, who very underrated, not a lot of people see him as when you mention the top coaches. I certainly always forget too, but he's proving, like you said, over and over again, well, no matter who he has. They're always in it, right? The Mavericks are always yeah. in it and somehow make playoffs. They took the Spurs. Do you remember when they took the Spurs to seven games when they went and just slap, waxed Miami off the floor? That finals, the the Spurs took or the Mavericks took that Spurs team to seven games. So, you know, Yogi Ferrell, he was undrafted out of Indiana. You know, like five eight maybe because of his side and like he's just coming in and averaging twenty plus. So, it, <laughs> you know, you have to credit Carlisle. At some point, yeah, I agree. Um, Carlisle is an amazing coach, and I think that he gets the best. So I, I think that regardless, this was the best thing that could happen to Noel because at the very, at the very least, he gets. I think this was the best opportunity that was going to present itself. Like you say, like in the modern NBA, Noel, Noel is a center built for the modern NBA. I think he's got to improve defensively as well as offensively, but. You know, when you're under a legendary Hall of Fame coach like Rick Carlisle, I believe that you can, uh, that you can definitely access your full potential. So I'm very interested. I thought this was a great trade for Dallas, and I think because a lot of teams know that Dallas is committed to him long term, that uh, I don't even know how what what teams will even be aggressive with offering. They could even lowball Noel because a lot of teams will will just you know assume not even want to tie their money down to an offer sheet for Noel because there's no point when they assume that Dallas is going to match almost any price. Yeah, but you got to be careful because I think the Rockets, uh, who did that? The Mavs did that to the Rockets, right? When they offered uh, um, Chandler Parsons and the Rockets didn't match. So, I mean, I that's the only thing about the restriction uh, thing. Um, process that I don't like is you're right a team could just come out there and offer him a crazy offer sheet but that's a risk that they're willing to take right they're like oh we're gonna block Dallas but then if Dallas says well I'm not paying this dude 20 million a year and then now you're stuck with him so I think he will be on the cheap for them yeah exactly and and when you traded a a a wing player who might end up maybe being a, a rotation player and two second round picks, you know, that's that's a great risk. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like the Cousins trade, right? Like where obviously you're talking different levels of players, but right. in terms of in terms of it, New Orleans, the risk was just so like the risk reward was just so great that they had to take that they had to take it because I mean they gave up essentially 
essentially nothing except a first round pick, nothing of significant value, at least. Um, so yeah, and they could why don't trade we... him if they want to? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, he has uh, a year so, and a half. Max, do you have another trade you want to offer, or um, or talk about rather? Well, the the only well the other trade I know we went. Uh, I wish we would have had the other um, uh, podcast up, but the Thunder trade with the with the Bulls, if we can touch down a little bit, I didn't like it from the Bulls' perspective. Um, I thought they're pretty much if 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 they're waving the white flag, then then trade Jimmy Butler too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. To me, that made no sense. I I understand you want Cameron Payne, who I don't see what the a fuss is all about giving him a shot. I guess like some teams really like him because it's only his second year, but from what I've watched, I'm not a big fan of his. And to get rid of somebody like Doug McDermott, who's, I think, in his second year and who's a great spot-up shooter and who you need shooting because you're like, I think the Bulls are last in in three-point shooting. It's like, wait a minute, are you waving the white flag or are you not? Because not only did they trade uh, uh, McDermott and Todd Gibson, who's going to be a free agent, so I can understand that, but they also gave up a first-round pick. So I'm like, wait a minute, are they valuing Cameron Payne that high? But they have so many guards still. I don't know what's going to happen with the Rondo. That we're going to touch on that later if he's going to get waived or bought out. And the whole Jimmy Butler rumors is just like, wait a minute, are you going to win now, or are you going to are you going to like try to trade for the future? But then when you're kind of trading your futures to get somebody that you think is, it just the Bulls are a mess. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's the, from their side. From the Thunder side, love it. Not only do you get a first round pick, you also get uh, Doug McDermott, who's a forty four percent spot up shooter. And, or on sorry, on uncontested shots, he's 44% from three-point land, where the Thunder are dead last on spot-up shooting. So that should help Westbrook, who is triple-double machine, who loves to dish it out to the uh, wing players. So that should all that should definitely help him. And you know, Taj Gibson's a great player still. He will come in and he will give them intensity. He will give them defense that they that they need from the power forward position because they have Stephen Adams. But then you know they also he's not great offensively, and you bring in Cantor, who's good offensively, but he's horrible defensively. So if you get like a little mix of both down in the fourth quarter where it's a close game, I think Dodge Gibson would be great for them. And who knows? They might try to re-sign him if they can get rid of Cantor in the offseason in a trade. But, yeah, I just think that that was such a much better trade for the Thunder than the Bulls. Yeah, I agree. And uh, for the record, it's an unprotected second-round pick. Uh, in 2018 it's not a first but uh but all your points are still extremely valid huge huge win for the thunder they got basically the two things they needed most was spot up shooting and i thought that they needed another big because now they can essentially stagger their minutes where they have two of adams Cantor, and taj on the court at all times and they're they're gonna they're gonna have one of the better front lines in the nba and that will be an advantage for them come postseason and could even play a key depending on who they get matched up against. With this trade now, if they get matched up against Houston or somebody, you know, I, I'm high on Houston, but at the same time, I mean, with, with those bigs and everything in a, in a physical environment, maybe OKC can now get out of the, can now get out of the first round. Right. Yeah, so it just uh, and when playoffs come, like you said, matchups play a huge role. And Mike D'Antoni team led teams have honestly not been good in the playoffs, especially when they have to face a defensive minded team. So could you win with a Westbrook at who's probably you know the 
maybe the best player right playing right now, him and James Harden, with monster front line, probably yeah, they could beat him up down low. I mean, you're you're gonna need for the for the Rockets to win, they're gonna have to outscore you and just make at least between thirteen plus threes a game, especially in the playoffs. Because yeah. you know, defense defensively in the playoffs, everybody just you know clamors down and it's like yo all right you bring your best at me we're actually going to play defense unlike the the regular season so yeah right yeah um okay so let's let's talk houston because they transitioned into buyout market so they they trade for lou williams that was that was a that was a nice trade uh just a just a great uh a great six man to add to what was already a great six man in eric gordon now they got the best one two punch off the bench in the league in my opinion and um and with that, they also made some other trades, like I said, to clear uh, to clear cap space so that they could be the number one team on the buyout market. And so the buyout market this year seems to be shaping up to be more important than than almost any other year. You got Cleveland that's been in this arms race all year, trading for Corver. Now it looks like they're getting. Uh, now it looks like they're getting Darren Williams, and it looks like they might get. Or they are the favorite to get Bogut, rather, too. So, um, so Cleveland's Cleveland's making some moves. But before we talk about Cleveland, let's just talk about the buyout mark. Actually, you know, yeah, let's go. Let's go with Cleveland first. So, with let, let's talk the Darion Williams move because that moves for sure. So, with Darion Williams to the Cavs, how how do you like that trade or that sorry that that signing? I love it. I mean, you get like a starting point guard to be your backup point guard, and you know he's obviously he's regressed. He's not his old self, but he's still averaging thirteen points a game and almost seven assists a game. You know, he's still a, he's still a pretty good player, and he's your backup point guard to Kyrie. And also, they could actually play play them together or play them with LeBron when they want to go small and have Kyrie come off the ball, and that would yeah. just create a lot of mismatches, especially with teams that don't have a deep bench as the Cavs. So now coming off your bench would be Darren Williams, who is a great point guard, and then you just mix, you know, mix him up with Tristan Thompson if he's coming off the bench, Amon Shumper is coming off the bench, Kyle Korver, who has been like super money. He's I think in the month of February he's shooting over 60% from threes. So wow. that's just that that trade, oh, by the way, that might have been the best trade. But yeah, I mean, he's getting so many open looks from LeBron and Kyrie that he's just hitting everything. So you just add him to that nucleus, and he's also, you know, he can penetrate, he can create. That's what LeBron wanted, right? A playmaker. So you have that in your bench, and it just betters your team, right? You can never have enough players, but also at the point guard position, somebody that I think now does. I don't want to say takes a back seat, but you know he's probably going to be a more pass first than he used to be, and and he's yeah. he's familiar with LeBron. He played in two Olympics with LeBron, and he's and you know both. There's rumors that Bogut is is most likely to sign with the Cavs. They just played together with Dallas. He's played with Corver. He's played with Richard Jefferson. He's a veteran. So it's just like like I said the other day. LeBron, it feels like the Cavs get everybody and their mom, and if he can get <laughs> it for on the on a buyout on the cheap, then God. God, whatever, just go get him, you know. So it's it's a great pickup. It's always going to be a great pickup to go play with LeBron. I mean, I'm not a big fan of LeBron, but I feel like every single year, the Cavs or somebody like the Spurs or the Warriors, they always get those buyout players that teams want to buy out so they can get their uh, their young guys to see what they have, what potential they have, 
And then, like, he's, he's 30, what, 32, 33? So he still has some playing, especially if it's just for this year. He still has great, uh, I think he still has a great, like, career left in him. And who knows? When you play with LeBron, your stats go up. So this could be a great pickup for them, especially coming off the bench. Yeah, and like you said, uh, shout out to, to LeBron because the Cavs get everybody and their mama. Shout out Delonte West. <laughs> but, um, let, let's, oh, yeah, man. I like the Cavs. I like the Cavs upgrade for Duran. Um, I think it's great. I think one thing you didn't touch on that I actually think is going to be huge for them is, uh, is okay, yeah, you're going to talk. We, we, we kind of need to mention that, you know, Duran is not a great defensive player, but you know, the Cavs roster is just going to be so offensively gifted and just such a firepower, so much firepower on that offense that I think it will outweigh the defense. So I'm not worried about the defensive side of the ball. And like you said, they can do some interesting things. They can play Durant with Kyrie even. And, um, you know, Durant's going to be, to me, I think he's going to be a great spot-up shooter for Cleveland. I think that's how they're going to use him as well at times. They're going to let LeBron uh, do the pick-and-roll and then have Duran as a spot-up shooter. And I think Duran could see some great jumps in shooting percentage as well because, as you alluded to, everybody gets better when they uh, when they go to LeBron, especially three-point shooters. LeBron is just one of the best in the, in the game, one of the best of all time at being able to... Uh, to get those three-point shooters open and get them great looks. And you're seeing it now with Korver, and you're right, Korver was arguably the greatest move made all season for the uh, for as far as trades go. And so for that particular reason that you, you got one of the best shooters of all time with LeBron, that, that's very deadly. And so, yeah, so, I mean, Cleveland, to me, with this, it's just interesting because they got so much... They got so much better offensively. They got that backup playmaker that LeBron said they effing needed. So uh, that was good for them. But uh, let's talk Bogut, who was bought out by Philly. So it's not official that he's going to the Cavs, but it seems like the Cavs is a destination. Um, he will consider the Cavs, the Spurs, and the Celtics. Um, to me, if the Cavs get him, man, that's a huge move because you flipped you flipped Mo Williams, Mike Dunleavy, and Chris Anderson into <laughs> Kyle Korver, Deron Williams, and Andrew Bogut, which would be the three better players and the three best players in the six-player deal. Like it's unreal what Cleveland's done this year. No idea how they keep doing that. I really don't. How I mean, I get everybody wants to play for LeBron and get a win, but I I didn't even think about it that way. How you said they flipped those three players for Bogut, Williams. And uh, Corver. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's like, come on, man. Like, give somebody else a chance. But yeah, I agree with you 100%. It also keeps him away from the Warriors, who even though I didn't, I didn't, I never thought he would go back because of how the relationship ended last year. But right, the fact is, they Kevin Love went down, and I think Ty, uh, Tristan Thompson's their only big guy that they have that's actually like a big. Am I not mistaken? Yeah, that's like, like a true center. It. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so when Kevin Love went down, you just have Tristan Thompson, and then LeBron might have to play a lot of power forward slash center positions, I guess. He can play center, too, if he wanted to. Yet This would be huge for the Cavs, and just because he's a big body. I mean, you can never teach height. That's one thing that everybody that plays basketball will tell you. You can teach everything else, but you can never teach height. And he's a big body. 
He's great defensively. He's lost a step, obviously, and injuries and getting older will do that. But you know, he's he he's gonna be he's he, he all you have to do is just man the center, right? LeBron's a good wing uh, defender. You have Iman Shumper, who's a good defender. J.R. Smith, when he comes back, who's all of a sudden left New York, left my Knicks, and became became a defensive player too. Well, I don't know where that <laughs> came from. Maybe you know the partying with Rihanna uh, didn't mm-hmm. help in New York, but yeah. So you have him and. With Bogut, it's not going to, like, clawed up the middle because, as you can see from the Warriors the last two seasons, he can move the ball really well. He might be the best passing center, him or Marc Gasol, but he's really good at, di- at getting the ball, passing it, uh, moving, away from, moving away from the ball, screens uh, for, like, Curry or for Clay. He didn't do that much with um, uh, Dallas because they don't have that type of players on their team. But, I mean, Kyrie can shoot it. Kyle Corbett can shoot it. Williams, like you just said, can shoot it. And then you have J.R. Smith when he comes back. I mean, this will be a huge pickup on both sides of the court for the Cavs. So it's it, it might it might tilt a little bit, making them favorites. But I'm still think, I, I, I'm still going with the Warriors. Okay, really. Let's, let's have that discussion because it's been about a month since I had that discussion. To me... I said, and to sum up my points, were that give me the team with the best player on the floor. Give me the team that has the better point guard in the head-to-head matchup because Kyrie's been outperforming Curry for years now. Uh, and and, every, and, and, and he, he outperformed him in the finals even before he went down in 2015. And 2016, he owned Curry in the finals as well. Uh, so give me the better point guard. And, you know, Cavs just got, Kyle Korver is such a huge weapon. Like, when he comes off the bench, when he is a bench player, and they have J.R. Smith, the Cavs can run anything. They can run LeBron at the center, or they can run LeBron at the one. They have so much flexibility. They're 13 deep. I looked at their roster. If they get, if they get Bogut, that's 14 deep. They have 14 players who could play. Now, obviously, you're only allowed to play 13 every night. But you have 14 quality players that could be rotation players. And, you know, they are just so deep. They can play any style. Bogut, you know, I, I don't I don't care about the whole, like, Bogut knows their plays. Everybody knows yeah. each other's plays. I'm not, exactly. I'm not worried about that. But like you said, Bogut, you know, the, the Cavs, other than the Rockets, the Cavs have the best, have, uh, outside of the Rockets and Warriors, I should say, the Cavs had the best roster for Bogut for that passing because, like you said, they got J.R. Smith, Deron. They can run a lineup with uh, J.R. Smith, Deron Williams, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and Andrew Bogut. And Bogut's got four people that can shoot the three lights out to pass to, and he's one of the best screeners in the game and a great defender. I don't know how much he has in the tank, but you know, I think if if he's only playing like ten minutes a game the rest of the season. You know he's going to be a lot healthier and in a lot better shape come come June. So you know I, I'm taking right now. I'm taking the Cavs. I said it before and I'll say it again. Um, <laughs> I, I I like what the Warriors got. Of course, I mean how can you not? But you know what the Cavs just to me they have an answer for everything. Right, and I think if if the players buy in. To like what Ty, and hopefully I don't know if Ty, uh, Coach Lou is going to do this or with LeBron. I can see them in the playoffs when Kevin Love comes back, go with a Bogut or even just a Tristan Thompson or Andrew Bogut, LeBron, 
uh, Kyle Korver or J.R. Smith. I mean, I, I'm just I'm just gonna say or 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 for every position because they have or 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 for every position, right? Right. And and then their bench. If Kevin Love can come off their bench and say, you know what, I've been hurt. I got hurt. I'm gonna come off the bench. I don't need to start, and I will dominate the second squad for for uh, everybody else. Can you imagine him coming off the bench with Darren Williams and uh, Tristan Tom- or Tristan Thompson or Iman Shumpert? Or Kyle Corbett and him being Richard Jefferson. Oh, I forgot about Richard Jefferson's old ass. So yeah, yeah. You could, if you could have and, and run the offense through Kevin Love, like as you know, throw it in there for him, let him bang a little bit. Because if you if you look at the second squads of most teams, they don't have that, right? You're not. Who's gonna? What second squad has a person that you can bring off the bench like a Kevin Love if he chooses to do that? And if he right. doesn't, it's okay. Then LeBron could go off the. They can do what the Warriors do, right? Durant sits out. Like, with four minutes left in the first quarter, Curry finishes it, then Durant comes out and dominates the second squad. So that's what, like, those type of players and that type of depth can do that for you, right? They can uh, make you, like, rest players. Like you said, LeBron needs rest. As much as he says it, oh, I don't need rest, he needs rest, right? He do, he, yeah. he carries a lot of load. He's, he's, you know, he bangs inside. He's he's one of the probably the best finishers in the league, him and Kyrie. And he's going to bang a lot. So you're going to have to rest him for the playoffs. So... I think that they do have a lot of depth. Now, the only reason why I still don't consider them the favorites, even though the Warriors are starting to look a little vulnerable and, you know, starting to get a little injuries today. Kevin Durant got hurt. Who knows how long that's going to last or how long that's going to be. Curry's looking all sorts of whack in the last few games. I don't know if he's getting tired or his ankles are messed up, but I still don't think you have an answer for Kevin Durant and for... And they have somebody like a Draymond Green who can guard any position. That is such a big key factor. As much as Draymond Green drives me crazy, he him being able to guard any position and playing the center position and be able to like sh- when he shuts down Blake Griffin to me, or you know it's like wow, like this dude could actually play any position. Like when you see them against the Clippers, you you should think you would think Blake and DeAndre should dominate, right? Like Draymond's like what six 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 seven six eight at, at best. And six, him six being at able, best, yeah, yeah, six six at best, and him being able to play the center position, and for them to, uh, you know, slide in Durant, and Curry and Clay and Iguodala for defensive reasoning, uh, uh, yeah, for defensive purposes, it'd be great. Now their bench to me is what just made Cavs like fifty fifty, right? You know, to me it's it's a coin flip now, because now the Cavs have players on the bench like you just mentioned. They have so many players. They can actually be like, all right, we're not scared of the Warriors now. We have a great bench because that's that's what separated the Warriors, right? When the Warriors last year would go to the bench, their second squad, the Livingston, Barbosa, um, they you think who was who else was on the team? I don't know Spates. if David West was on. No, David West was on the team, but yeah, Spates, yeah, yeah that Spates was before came. David West. It was Spates. Yeah, yeah. Spates. I'm, Mo Buckets was on that team. They would run the second squad out of the out of the building, and then they would win by thirty. But now they don't have that luxury. Obviously, in the playoffs, Durant, Curry, Clay, all those guys are going to play 40-plus minutes. But sometimes that could wear you down. And with the with the Cavs, I feel like they don't got to get wore down, in the, in, especially in the East. So I see where you're coming from. However, I still think Durant and Curry are two of the top five, top three best players. And they're always going to – I think they have a little bit of a slight favorite. Hmm. All right. Well, let me hit you with some counterpoints. So first, shout out. Shout out to my Michigan State family, Draymond Green. Oh, Draymond. Um, so let me hit you with two points. So one, what is the E-Man Shumpert factor? Remember last year, 
what saved the Warriors' defense? E-Man Shumpert being out on the floor and not hitting threes. Right. Right. Replace that now with Kyle Korver. Yeah, I, I understand. No weakness in, in defense. Uh, no no like weak link. Cavs can run lineups that Warriors literally have no weak link for. Secondly, when Bogut went down last year, LeBron and Kyrie walked to the rim. I, I know Draymond's a great defender, but he could not stop LeBron from getting to the rim. LeBron had a field day. It was a layup line for, for, for Kyrie and LeBron the last three games of the series. Like, so when to me, like, the Warriors, yes, they shoot the three at a historic rate. They're so damn good at shooting the three. Yes, they have two of the, th- in my opinion, two of the top three players in the league. But at the same time, you got to look at, you got to look at the fact that LeBron can get a layup pretty much any time he wants in that series. Same with Kyrie. They can get to the rim at ease now. They're not afraid of JaVel McGee, but even if they Whoa, even if JaVel they were JaVel McGee just clapped back at Shaq. Respect JaVel McGee. He just <laughs> <laughs> Wow, no, I just had to say that. Sorry. Go ahead. Hey, if, if JaVel McGee shot me out, that might be the best thing to happen in my career at this point. <laughs> but but uh hashtag hashtag McGee JaVel McGee shout out Chris Platty. Uh uh, but yeah, I mean, look, even if they are like, because I think McGee obviously has the size, the athleticism, whatever, to be a good rim protector. But at the same time, you know, if he's only going to be out there for a few minutes a game, he's not going to be out there that much. So for the majority of the game, Zaza Pachulia or Jamon Green is their center. They're walking to the basket every play. They're not scared of nothing. And you know what? I'll take layups over threes all day. I don't care how good you shoot the three-point percentage when you're when you're just getting to the rim and it's a layup line, and then you got the three-point shooters if needed on the wings. You know, give, give me the Cavs. I just I like the fit better. And again, you brought it up to the bench. Now I think the roles have flipped. I think the Cavs have the bench that will dominate I the agree. Warriors. And yep, so I you agree. know they have a better bench. But but it will be. It I don't even think they will dominate though in a sense because. Because you can stagger with Durant with the bench or whatever. So, like, the Warriors will always have, like, Curry or Durant out on the floor for the most part of the game. Or if not, they'll have, or if they have them both out, it'll be for a short period. But they'll have Clay and Draymond out. So they'll always have two, one or two stars at least on the floor at all times. But you know what? The Cavs can have one or two stars on the floor at all times too. And a better bench. So you know what? I I think give me the Cavs. And if it's Bogut... I'm I'm sitting very comfy with the Cavs. I'm sitting very very comfy with the Cavs over the Warriors at this point. All right, agree to disagree. We'll have to see now. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I see where you're coming from. I really do, and that's why I I said it's like a, it's it could be a toss up to be honest with you. So, but I see yeah. why I see why a lot of people are like eleven the Cavs. Obviously LeBron, but I'm I'm gonna stick with with the with the Durantula who they have no answer for. So who knows? Maybe he'll play 48 minutes a game. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the yeah, yeah maybe the knows. players will finally man up. It's the finals. You have nothing else to do. Play 48 minutes the last game. Sorry, <laughs> I, that's for another conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, so we'll agree to disagree, but you know, it was great to pick up the Cavs and Warriors debate because I hadn't talked about it in a month. You know, I think at this point it's only it's only fair to talk about it once a month. You know, there's so much other stuff that needs to be talked about, and we got till June to worry about that. So. Let's get to the rest of the buyout market now. Um, I want to read this. I want to read um, some 
NBA waiver wire activity. So first I'll start with Brandon Jennings going to the Wizards after being bought out by the Knicks. That was a surprising move, a, a tank move by the Knicks. And it's also rumored that they're 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 considering uh buying out even Derrick Rose, which is, you know, which would really it's be crazy because then who the hell would be their point guard, you know? So Ron that would be baby, int- which is Hot State's finest. <laughs> No, Man, I, don't, Ron, I, don't, I don't. I don't know what the Knicks are doing, Chris. So, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna read the list and then we'll talk about it. So, um, Norris Cole, uh, is gonna play for is gonna play for the Thunder. That was a nice get. You know, losing Cameron Payne uh, for Norris Cole. That's actually an upgrade for the Thunder, as well as like we talked about, they got some major upgrades in the deal. So, the the Thunder have been sneaky good at the trade deadline slash buyout season. Um. Jose Calderon to the Warriors. We talked about the Warriors um, needing some depth. Jose Calderon. It's not official that he's going to the Warriors, but it looks like, but it looks like uh, that's reportedly where he's going to go. It's it's kind of like the same situation with Bogut. We we know, but we don't really know. Um, so so that'll be interesting to see how how it plays out. Briante Weber, who they cut, who the uh, who the Warriors cut, immediately signed a ten day with the Hornets. Um, Jared Jack went to the Pelicans, you know, they just, they just need bodies at this point. But, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about some players that are available. And so Terrence Jones is available. Matt Barnes is available. Do either Mike Scott's available. Do any of those players sound intriguing if you're uh, a playoff team and what, and what team? I mean, I don't, I think Mike Scott is having a horrible year. I don't know if any team needs a, a stretch four, but I think he's shooting 29% from the field this season, and I don't know about his – didn't he get arrested like last year, so who knows about that. And Maybe he would just be for a quick rental. So um, I think that Terrence Jones, he's a player that I'm very interested in, but I think he's only, he's only 25, so I don't think he should go to a contender if, if I was him, right? You ha- you know, he's he's not like a veteran in the back end that need, that wants to play for a ring. I think – he might go to a team that's not a playoff contender that so he can maximize his potential and get the most minutes out of. Uh, obviously, yeah. Jennings going to the to the Wizards. I think it's a great pickup for the Wizards. Um, I know they have Oubre, and I don't know who their backup is right now as a point guard, but I love it's that. Uh, it's that it's that rookie. I forget I forget how to pronounce his last name. He has a difficult uh, name to pronounce, and then and then Trey Burke is their third string, who oh, I assume they yeah. would cut for for Jennings. Right. Um, so I, as a Knicks fan, as a Knicks fan, I love, I loved Brandon Jennings. I thought he was New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was flashy. He loved being in New York. He embraced the, uh, the Mecca, the garden. I mean, he was just, we, he was just a fan favorite. So I think he can go, he, uh, it's, you know, point sign that he's going to the, to the Wizards. And I think he could be a great backup for a wall. Maybe, uh, he can keep the same pace cause he's a quick point guard. He's not as quick as wall, but he can keep, you know, he can push the, the tempo and, Actually provides some kind of help for their uh, their bench, who they're upgraded with um, Bogdanovich, right, for the Nets. So I think that would be a great a good pickup for them. And you know, sometimes it can get a little wild, but hey, sometimes it can that little wildness and um, like intensity could actually like get a team to come back. He did it a lot with the Knicks when he would come up, he would just give them some great energy and then just turn the game around like that. I don't know how I feel about the Matt Barnes deal. I think he still has a one year deal on his contract i don't think he got bought out i think he got waived yeah 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 so yeah so he has i think one 
like eight million or something like that. And who knows with Matt Barnes? I feel like a lot of the teams are tired of his act, and maybe they don't want to um, pick him up because he might disrupt what the the, the locker room is. Because like Matt Barnes to me, if if the type of player for defensive reasoning and he can shoot the three, Houston pops in my head, right? Like, oh, they yeah. can use him. They can use a guy like that to come in there and, like, you know, play hard defense, maybe throw an elbow there, you know, here or there. But I don't know if Houston wants to do that. I don't know if they want that type of player to disrupt what they're doing right now. And, you know, so far the Lou Williams pickup looks great. He's averaging, what, 24, 25 a game in the, yeah, in the three games? Yeah, so Matt Barnes could be, like you said, they you know, you thought – the the Rockets needed somebody like a PJ Tucker or Cephalosha, maybe that could be the guy they pick up to you know for defensive reasoning. So, other than that, I don't really see much on the uh, on the people that are left. I, obviously, the Warriors would love a body. I mean, what Jared Sullinger maybe? I mean, I I don't know. And then you have the 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 people the 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 players that are still in limbo, right? You said Derrick Rose might get bought out. I have yeah. no idea why the Knicks would do that. That would make no sense. Just let him finish out the year. Who knows Epic what tank happens? Job. Yeah, I, 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 I thought that when they shut down Noah and they released Jennings, I was like, oh, they're gonna tank. And if that if that's the case, then shut down Melo too, save his niece, or maybe they just want to see what Melo can do. Shut down Porzingis, tank, tank the whole way. I'll be okay with that. And <laughs> shut then down got, everyone. Yeah, shut down everyone. Forget it. Close the Mecca. Close Madison Square Garden. Just give us the L's. 48 minutes of Ron Baker. (laughs) Oh, 48. Hey, he might actually win a game with his hustleness, hustle and desire (laughs) award. But, um, yeah, I don't – man, you know what? You can even bring in the Harlem – the the New York Liberty to play for all I care. Uh, But Rondo, I think, is another player which, again, would anybody pick up Rondo if he got released? You know, that type of player – yeah, I'm not. I've never was a big fan of his. Maybe it's my anti-Boston uh, self, <laughs> but I never thought he was great. And then you still the Kings. Back to the Kings. They got Carlson, Lawson, and a Flala who's nowhere to be found now. So who knows what's gonna happen with and who's gonna get waived or bought out? Yeah, yeah. Lawson, you brought up some interesting names that could be potential buyouts. Uh, Rondo, Rondo to me, I don't. I wouldn't call it that interesting because I, I really don't see him, if he gets bought out, I really don't see him signing anywhere significant. Even if he signs somewhere, I don't think it will be a significant role. It will just be, you know, maybe like a maybe like a team like Philly or Phoenix that are just trying to get to that salary for, you know, um, and they, they'll sign him for like one year, the rest of the year for like five million or whatever to get under the floor or to get to the floor. But uh Darren Collison would be a hell of a get if he if he's on the open market. If he becomes on the open market, yo, he's I think he's better than Duran and I think he's better than uh Brandon Jennings and Jose Calderon. So, you know, he would be a good uh, a good person to look out for. A follow also would be a very good person to look out for. Uh, a follow would be a, a very nice get for uh for, you know, just any team that really just needs another wing player. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of these, I, I think, I think a team that should be active is the Pelicans. They just really need bodies. And I think, I think they should, they should be active on this buyout market and just commit to, uh, commit some money to try and get, to try and get that a seed. And if they don't, then you know what they, then, you know what they, they tried and they, they lose a first round pick, but no big, no big deal. Um, Matt Barnes is interesting. I want to circle back to Matt Barnes. So 
you don't think, to me, the only place, I, I agree, Houston makes sense from a basketball standpoint, but not a locker room standpoint, because to me, we've seen how fragile that, despite that Houston locker room, uh, despite like Houston being this happy-go-lucky team this year, we've seen how fragile it is, how just one player like a Dwight Howard could ruin it. So yep. to me, the only place that makes sense is Cleveland. And I think he's I think he's been waived, so I think he's cleared waivers. So now I think he's free to sign for whatever. Um and so to me, Matt Barnes would be a, a great get for Cleveland because again, he could be another just dirty dirty wing player that's very frustrating to play against that could guard, you know, um that could guard Kevin Durant or Clay or whatever, just kind of just be that annoying yapper type player and in a locker room that has LeBron and like strong personalities like LeBron and Kyrie, Matt Barnes is gonna he's gonna know his place quick and you know, he might even really, really thrive in that role. So Cleveland would be interesting. I don't know I don't know if they're interested in making other than Bogut. Like I said, they already got like fourteen, fifteen players. Uh they're already fifteen players deep and they'll they'll have to cut someone to even sign Bogut. So I don't know yeah. how many contracts they wanna keep cutting and signing, but you know, Hey, you know what? If you want, Matt Barnes is there. Um, maybe they choose not to keep Derek Williams. Uh, maybe they choose not to keep Derek Williams and they cut Derek. Will- they don't sign Derek Williams to another ten day, and they sign Matt Barnes to the rest of the year. Uh, I don't know. That that that's interesting. What do you think about Matt Barnes on Cleveland? Do you think they would do it? I mean, I think they they. I mean, obviously, Le- LeBron and the Cavs would take on, on almost anybody, right? Everybody goes there. They become better. And like you said, that annoying little, that annoying wing player that they that the Pacers tried to do with uh, Lance Stevenson on LeBron, and you know maybe he could do that to Clay, or maybe he can do that to rile, riled up uh, Draymond Green to maybe get him get suspended if they meet in the finals. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's so, a good one. Yeah, I mean it, it's it. He's look Matt Barnes has always been somebody that I I I like to you know because. I, as a basketball player, I always, you know, defense, right? Hustle and defense, and and to me that when I see somebody like that, I'm like, all right, cool, I like this guy. It's just the the little things that come with him. I don't know if it'll be like a great fit anywhere else, but someone like Cleveland, because LeBron somehow, I have no idea how he does it, but somehow LeBron gets people to max him out, to you know, max their potential, and actually like not be a cancer to a team in the locker room. And since the Cavs have two players that are likely to be cut, or one one of the two is likely to be cut for Bogut, I think is Jordan McRae and DeAndre Liggins. Yeah. If they if they believe that, hey, you know what? Let's get somebody that can play defense and shoot three. Another wing that could, just in case J.R. Smith um, doesn't come back fully healthy, just in case Iman Shumpert goes down, just in case, you know, yeah. you know, whatever, just to add more depth, yeah, I think they could they would be able to release one of those two guys. Because I actually like Derek Williams. I think he's been a great yeah, game for them. I, I think they should keep him. I really do. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I, I see the again. We circle back to Cleveland and LeBron. Yeah. I mean, anybody in the buyout market, we could always say, yeah, anybody could be a great fit for for the Cavs and you know, yeah. even the Warriors too. But and you never know. Maybe Kerr wants to get that other um, uh, wing player that could try to body up LeBron, like you know, PJ Tucker, and so. When he comes in the game off the bench, be like Steve Kirk could be like, "Listen, man, I need you to just d up LeBron, get in his head, try to do that, try to do this, and you know maybe he'd be a great fit for those teams. Maybe he needs to be on a contender because he wasn't that bad when he was with the Clippers. 
but he was but they still got rid of him and that could you know, that tells you a lot about a person and if the kings yeah. i mean first of all the kings organizations is, is is horrible so i this is not like a shot at matt barnes but they're gonna eat his eight million if i'm not mistaken right so if they do that yeah. then who knows what how bad of a person he was in the locker room yeah yeah, I mean, but to be fair, the Kings locker room doesn't have much supervision. <laughs> I guess you could call it, or or adult voices, yeah, I guess if Vlad you will. Yeah, is going to be doing a podcast with us in a year and a half because he said if it doesn't pan out, <laughs> oh, he'll, yeah. he'll step down. So, Vladi, you're invited to the podcast, my man, because in a year and a half, you'll probably be doing it. <laughs> Vladi, the invitation is an open one. All right, Max, we're looking at about an hour now, so let's, let's bring this podcast to a close. Some great talk on the buyout market, some Cavs-Warriors debate, and uh, some trade deadline talk. So, Max, tell them, tell them where they can find you because you are new to the show, so let them know where, you can, where they can find you. Well, they can find me on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter at Hotter2. That's H-A-U-T-E-R, 2 and if Snapchat and Instagram, the same thing, the same username. So, and actually on your podcast, because this is my uh, welcome to the podcast world. So they can find me on there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Max, great job coming on the podcast. Definitely going to have you on again. Um, and for those of you that don't know by now, I don't know how I'm like I'm like seventy five episodes deep. But if you don't know where to find me. Uh, find me on Twitter at crispy1132. That's C H R I S P Y eleven thirty two. On there, you will find a link to my Podbean and my iTunes, where uh, you know basically it's just whatever whatever you prefer. You know, Android users use Podbean, Apple users use iTunes. You know, whatever floats your boat, right? And so I do a hip hop podcast and an NBA podcast. I do NBA podcasts on Tuesday hip-hop podcast on Thursdays, and then sometimes I sprinkle in an extra podcast if something big happens in either realm. Uh, so stay tuned So stay tuned for all those. Stay plugged into all those. And it's all in one feed, so it's very easy to follow. But also, if you want to find me on other platforms or just find me easier than my Twitter handle, because I've heard that it's difficult for some people to find me, uh, you can find me by just Google searching Chris Platty, and that's P-L-A-T-T-E. And so through through there, you'll be able to find me in the first three links that come up are my Facebook profile, my uh, my iTunes pod, my iTunes link, and my Podbean link, and then the fourth is my Twitter. So everything you need is right there. Just Google Chris Platty again. Platty is spelled P-L-A-T-T-E. So either way, whatever works for you, whatever floats your boat, Give me a follow, rate, subscribe, share the podcast, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Snapchat, Instagram, everywhere. Um, I'm, I'm very easy to find. So once again, I want to thank Max for coming on for the first time. And Max, I, I can't wait to have you on again to talk some more hoops, buddy. Awesome. Thank you, man. This is honestly, it's been really fun and really great experience. So I'm enjoying every moment of it. And shout out to Will Gill for putting us together yes shout out the homie will gill who's been on several podcasts uh most famously the all eyes on me tupac out classic album review podcast go check that out as well thank you will gill for linking us up and max take care until i talk to you again thanks man